0: Life can be tricky, making us ask, what was that? Join host Jan Murray and her guests as they explore the that's of life. Welcome to life after that.
1: Hello everyone, this is Jan Murray, your host for Life After That, and today we're welcoming back Diane Ward of Minnesota, and she will continue her story about her and her late husband Brad's ALS journey and how she's doing today. Even though that was a difficult time, at what point did you feel a shift in that first year or that second year when maybe you maybe found your footing a little bit at least like you said you you still go to phoenix for the winter you could have easily have given that up but at the same time you realized you would be depressed and it would be hard to go through the cold minnesota winters i can't even imagine that so independently you still went to phoenix on your own so tell me something about your life discovery since since he passed away and how you've done that i mean Tell me what you've done to survive at this point over two years. Well, it's it's been tough. You know, um, it was just probably the first
0: time uh, since Brad passed away, I started some grief counseling. I hadn't done any of that. And uh, I started that probably mm, about a year, about a year ago. Okay. When I was in Minnesota. In fact, when Brad got sick, he uh, started some counseling, and I'm seeing the same counselor he had seen. Okay. And um, that has helped me a lot. Um, you, and um, I don't know, sometimes I still feel like I'm just a day, it's a day at a time without him.
1: Uh, well, ultimately, we all should be living a day at the time. I mean, but do you think about the future? I know you said you're not right, quite sure where you are. And you're, again, you're still you're still in the, what I consider to be early stages of moving on. But do you, and maybe when you talk about counseling, do you think about your future at least a little bit, even if you're just thinking a week ahead or a month ahead or something you might like to do in the future to, you know, to give you something to hold on to? How do you? How do you plan or think about the future? You know,
0: I don't know. I just feel like I just really don't have a much of future. You know, my sister was here recently and would talked about, you know, she's like, you can find somebody, you know, not another husband or whatever, but another person. And I just feel like I just I don't want to ever replace Brad. That's how I am. I have no intentions of ever. I have no Being married he, he was my, again. <laughs> yeah, he was my soulmate. Same. And um, I don't even want to think of a life without him. Uh, it, it, it's such a day at a time. Um, you know, like when I drive across country to Phoenix, I went to some national parks on the way here. And I, I really didn't even want to hardly get out of the car, just like didn't feel like it was going to be normal without Brad you know I didn't want to do this kind of like by myself and um you know I, I I'm retired now I don't plan on going back to work um mm-hmm. uh, so it's kind of just me you know and I'm at a 55 plus resort in Arizona and you know even though with this it's still difficult because so many of the couples here are married mm-hmm. and being alone it, it's tough it's really tough being alone without him and trying to do things without him it's you know i just um you know i you know brad he was cremated you know and i take him with me you know to arizona and. Um, you know, so he's still a major part of my life, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I just kind of don't know where the, you know, my future is going to lead with this.
1: Well, uh, have you thought about that? What would you think Brad would tell you if he could? How how would how would he want to tell you to go to go forward? You know, people. I've thought of that. And
0: I I think Brad would want me to be happy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I wish I would have talked to him when he was still alive on what he, what he, what he want for my life. Um, I'm sure he
1: would want you to be happy. He would want you to push forward and be happy. Right. So I think you have to find, I'm going to turn on a counselor hat. I think you have to fine even if it's just a little something something that does make you happy and just grab hold of that until you find a second thing and just keep doing that i mean i reconstructed my whole life i decided to go back to school i i love animals i'm i've been involved in animal rescue for years and <clears throat> i have six rabbits i'm in rabbit rescue <laughs> and i used to have a lot of dogs but animals make me happy So when I feel myself sliding back into depression, which was happening to me Saturday, um, I got in my car, I've gotten very used to doing things alone, but the first while of doing that was really hard, but I just kept making myself, I thought I am not going to get stuck in grief. I'm not going to get stuck in sadness. I'm going to make myself do something. So Saturday was one of those things. I got up Saturday morning. I did not want to be at home in this town. I didn't want to do things I needed to do at home. I just wanted different air and a different scenery. So I drove two hours down to the Gulf of Mexico. I went to one of the aquarium type places and enjoyed four hours of jumping dolphins and stingrays and sea lions and uh, felt the the gulf breeze and breathed clean salt air and took myself to a nice restaurant, and it was a wonderful day. Now, that first year or two, it was harder for me to do things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. I found a couple of places that I could go to that were within a couple of hours of me where I could just go literally lay in the grass with baby goats all over me and uh, or go to the drive through safari. I found ways to surround myself. With things that I knew would bring me joy. Um, And now I do have a grandson. He's three. And he came along a couple of years after Bill died. And having him in my life has been wonderful. But I've made a life for myself. But I had to fight for it. Because I wanted to just lay in my house. In my couch. And keep the lights off. And not go do anything, but I think at some point you have to make that shift and decide that you're not going to get stuck in that place. I mean, you married late in life, so you were functioning, you were a functioning single human being before Brad, and somehow you have to go back and find that person, but as a newly evolved person. I mean, that's what I did. I, I lived on my own for five years before I ever got married, and I kind of had to tap back into who I used to be refined my independence and, um, forge a new path. Uh, I'm 60 years old. I'm about to be 61. I don't act it most of the time. And most people don't believe me when I tell them I'm that old because I generally don't act anything like my age. And I went skydiving I swam with the dolphins. I do all kinds of things. On the 15th of this month, two days after I turn 61, I'm driving five and a half hours right by myself to Crystal River, Florida, and I am going to swim with manatees. I have wanted to do that my entire life. I'm a little apprehensive because that's probably the longest trip I've done on my own, but I'm excited and I can't wait to do it. So that I, sounds exciting yeah I think my best advice to you is to just find little things even though you're you don't want to do it. just find something to latch onto and then make yourself follow through. Just go do it and just keep adding things to that so that you can rebuild a life for you. And I know you said you're retired now, but it might not be a bad idea to consider a part-time job or do a part-time hobby you can make money for. I know my mom, my mom passed away a couple of days after Christmas this past Christmas, but she buried my dad after 45 years of married my uh, marriage. And then she buried my stepdad after 13 years. And she just told me one day, she said, I said, well, mom, how did you do it? You've buried two husbands and you're still smiling. You're still going she told me she said, "Well, I would like to just sit here and cry and you know keep herself in the house." She said, "But I decided I wanted a life and I knew if I didn't get up and go grab it, I would never have it." And she said, "So I just make myself get up and do things." And she rebuilt she rebuilt her life twice, one time in her 60s and then again in her late 70s and early 80s. She just made her own way and did different things, things she had always wanted to do. So she really was an inspiration for me. And uh, I knew Bill would want me to be happy. And then watching my mom, I'm like, okay. So something clicked finally in my head that, okay, if I want a life and I don't want to be miserable, I have to get up off my couch because the couch that I'm sitting in right now, (laughs) I like to say it takes me hostage. (laughs) If I stay at this couch too long, I will just wither away and my life will disappear. So I make myself get up and go. And if it means that my house doesn't get clean for two weeks, oh, well, because it's important for me to get out that front door to get in my car and go do or see things. So that's usually my advice is just try your best to not stay at home too much, but get out and find something that you enjoy. It,
0: that's that's true i i i realize i need to do that too and it's very important um it's it, sometimes it's just hard to do some things by yourself it and is that's the part that i have to get over yeah um i know i do do you know more than i try to say sometimes you know because i did come and drive across country to arizona every you know the last two winters i bought the place here This is my second winter in Arizona by myself. So I do do that. Um, And that's got to be
1: better than wintering in Minnesota.
0: (laughs) Wintering in Minnesota, I don't know if I could have survived it seriously. It, um, the cold, you know, it seems like if the weather is sunny in Minnesota, then it's bitterly cold. Yeah. And here, you know, it's been a cooler winter in Arizona. Uh, The high's been definitely cooler than what they normally are this time of year. It seems like weather has been kind of strange all over the country. It really has. It sure has. Yeah, but now it's really starting to get nice out. And um, I'm going to try to, I like what you said, I need to, I'm going to start to figure things out. And uh, I don't want to say move along without him because I don't want to say that.
1: Yeah, but you have to. I mean, he's right there with you. And it's so it's okay to remember and have those days and moments where he's your focus. But try to make yourself if not every day, at least every other day, to do something that's just for you. Just for you, Diane. Just like that. I do like that. And Um, the more you do it, the more you'll develop a habit and that it'll get easier doing things by yourself. Uh, That's what I found. It doesn't bother me a bit now. That first couple of years, it bothered me to go anywhere by myself, even as independent as I am. I, cause he was half of me and half of me was gone. And, but now I feel whole and I'm very comfortable doing pretty much anything by myself. Um, would I prefer to have him here? Absolutely. But he's not here. And in this lifetime, I don't get to have him here. So I refuse, I absolutely refuse to sink. I am not going to sit in grief and despair. I am going to live a life and I want you to do the same.
0: I know I need to, to do that more. I really do. Um, You know, I be honest, like I still wear my wedding band, my wedding ring. I did for the longest time as well. And uh, and I wear his, you know, I had it fit. I still wear his wedding band on my other finger and so forth. So,
1: well, I finally did take off the wedding bands, but I don't know if you can see this or not. You see this ring there? Let's see if I can get it in front of the camera. See that? Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Nice. You know, you talked about thumbs up. Well, Bill always would use his right thumb. That was the one. This is the hand that would still somewhat work. He would give us a thumb up. Well, on that ring is his thumbprint engraved. Oh my gosh. I love that. Around the ring. So I wore it on my left hand for a long time, but my daughter, bless her heart, gave me a beautiful ring to wear over there. So I moved his thumbprint band over to my right hand and, um, And I generally don't take it off. It's rare. I I may take it off to show somebody or to clean it, but I don't take it off because to me, I'm carrying him with me with that. And my husband was cremated as well, but now he's sprinkled in many locations. (laughs) (laughs) And part of his ashes are blown into a blown glass lamp that sits next to my bed. Um, Part of his ashes are in the Gulf of Mexico. Part of them are at a uh a christian camp that he grew up going to that he loved and wanted some of his ashes out there and part of his ashes are at the cemetery next to i have four children that are buried and they're some of his ashes are out there with them and so his ashes are a little bit of everywhere <laughs> um and they're about to be on a sunk Aircraft carrier out in the Gulf of Mexico in a couple of weeks, someone is depositing some ashes out there for me in a really cool place that I know he would really love if he was, if he's able to know, he'll think that is a cool thing. So. um, I like that. In fact, Brad, he is. um,
0: Originally. You know, he wanted to be um, his ashes up in my fam with my family a plot in northern Minnesota yeah and um, we have a plot and his stone is already there but after I received his urn of ashes I kind of wanted to um, I decided I'm going to keep them until I pass away and then I told my brother one of my brothers that um when i pass then you know put both of our urns in that family plot that we're we're just make sure
1: it's in writing so somebody knows exactly what you want i will be cremated my children know that i want my ashes to pretty much go into the gulf of mexico because i love the ocean I love dolphins. They're supposed to find dolphins and sprinkle my ashes wherever the dolphins are. They could keep some if they want. My daughter does keep a little bit of my husband's in a small little urn on her fireplace mantle. But the vast majority of his were sprinkled in special places that mean meant something to his brother, my son, my daughter, to me. And like I said, I had some actually blown into a glass. It's a, it's a hand blown glass lamp and the ashes are blown into that. And it made these beautiful bubble swirls inside of it. Um, I'll try to send you a picture of that because it's quite beautiful when it's turned on. So I feel like he's always there. And then I've got his thumbprint that I wear. I made sure I wore that ring when I went skydiving. So I was taking him with me to go skydiving. So I feel like his, his presence, I just feel like he's around off and on all the time. And I hope he's proud of me for the things that I've done, um, that I've continued living and, um, you know, I, there's not a day that goes by that. I don't think about him, that I don't miss him, but I'm trying really hard to live too. Cause I feel like I got another 10 or 20 years or so left on this earth and, I don't want to be miserable for 10 or 20 years. I'd like to keep living.
0: (laughs) The the therapist I had, she played um, a clip from, I think the Yellowstone or the 1898 show. Yeah. uh, Which I think I actually shared on the Kells widow site before. In fact, I know I did a few months back uh, where he's talking about there's a woman who's grieving and he says he lost his wife also. And, um, you know, he says, you know, he's going across country with his wife with him by his side. Yeah. Even though she's gone and it's kind of very emotional every time I kind of think of that i was kind of looking it up to see if i could find it but i i know it's under my the Kild's widow widow's um, page that i had done um but it is very emotional uh on it i wish i could find it but
1: have you found um have you found the widows groups on Facebook to be helpful to you? Those had barely started when I joined, um, when the founders started those groups and they've grown and grown over the years. They I have,
0: Yeah, they have been very helpful. Um, other people going through the same sort of thing. So you're not so, alone. <laughs> yeah, so I'm yeah, that I'm not alone it exactly. And I've I posted quite a bit on it. Have
1: and you thought about joining the Cows to Branson group? They have a trip every fall um, to Branson, yeah. Missouri.
0: Yeah, I've heard of that, and um, it seems like it's always been at a time like I think this year it was when I was on my way to Arizona, ah, and so forth. So I've thought about. I think about it's a no. It's
1: either October or November of this year. Uh, The founder was on this show as well several weeks ago, and um, she talked about it, and I know she booked it, but I can't now remember, but it's a Facebook page, and you can look for Cows to Branson, but that might be a good thing for you to hook up with those ladies. I don't think, because I teach at the university, I don't think I'm going to get to go because I can't take off. It'll be in the middle of fall semester, Mm. but I would
0: love to go. It seems like that's when I'm on my way to Arizona. Usually I kind of get down here. I think this year I got down here October 19th to Arizona. Mm -hmm. So um,
1: just detour and go to Branson, Missouri for two days. And (laughs) I I should, because I remember I I did see that and I kind of noticed that in the past. I know that I think last year she had some, a lady drive down from Canada by herself and another one drove somewhere else, but apparently they have a great time and if I can figure out how to make it work I will it will depend on what my teaching schedule is and whether or not I can get to Branson and back without disrupting my classes but um, and I wasn't a teacher I did not teach at the university I wasn't I didn't even have my master's degree when Bill passed away that's one of the things I did I went back to school and uh, got a master's degree I'm in a doctoral program now And I would never have dreamed that that would be something I would do. And so now, you know, I'm teaching and podcasting. I I mean, my life is completely flipped upside down compared to what it used to be. But I'm I'm almost to the six year mark. And it was just this past year uh, in the fall when I decided to start the podcast. It's really taken me that long. So five years to get where I could talk about ALS and listen to other people's stories and share my story without getting emotional and uh, it's very rare that I get emotional now but it's taken a while so you also had to give yourself some grace because it's okay to still have a hard time because you're you're still new to the world of widowhood and I hate that word too by the way I hate widow and widowhood I can't stand it I never asked to be a widow. I didn't want to be a widow. You know, <laughs> I don't like that, it. <laughs> that's actually something I have said
0: along the way is I'm I'm not a widow. I, I, I say, save my marital status. I feel like I am married, but my husband isn't with me anymore.
1: I think because, that way as well. You know, the IRS thinks about us differently. I never will forget in yeah. <laughs> the second year When I filed taxes for the first time in, I don't know, 35 years, it made me check the single box. And I'm like, I don't want to be single.
0: (laughs) That's exactly the way I kind of thought of it, you know, is, you know, we got married and I'm always married to Brad. You know, our marriage hasn't ended. Right. Um, I'm a widow.
1: He's just somewhere else until you get there. We'll meet again right
0: exactly it, so it you know um yeah and he, he was my soulmate yes life. and um you know i i feel like when i talk of brad now i've been able to do that more than i add and pass and mm-hmm. talk of, about him and when i talk about him and I see something about one of our memories. I feel like Brad, he's looking down and he's smiling. Sure. You know, at me when I say some things about him and that, that kind of feels good. And I, you know, think about that, and, you know, he's smiling down at me and kind of there.
1: I'm, I really, truly believe that there are times that they are still with us. And, um, I, there's certain signs and symbols that I really believe are messages to me. And I know that can sound weird to some, but there's certain times that show up on my clock the same time over and over. And I've just decided that when I see that particular time, those particular numbers, because it never changes, I just like, that's just, I'm like, Hey, Bill, I'm glad you're here. I sure do miss you. You know, I'll talk to him. And then, you know, it's gone again, but it happens enough when I least expect it that I just take that as a sign that he's still around occasionally. And uh, I'll just say, hey, I love you. I miss you. I hope you're proud of me, you know, or I hope you're getting to see the grandkids, um, you know, um, things like that. I, you know, I have no idea if he actually can, but I, I do feel like he's with me from time to time. I really do. Yeah, I do too, you know, and you
0: know, I I enjoy talking about him, you know, our memories and so forth is it's important to me. It's important. know, uh, I don't know if some people are kinda like, Why did you keep talking about him? But because to me it's, it's okay
1: a- to do that. You should keep talking about him until until you get where you don't need to all the time because you're still working through things.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I I don't want his memory
1: ever to be forgotten and it won't because you're not going to let it, you're not going to let him be forgotten. That's right. You might consider um, you don't have to publicly blog, but maybe type out your memories, you know, enter it into a journal on your computer or handwrite it in a book you know, it might help you to get some of those things out where it's permanent. So, you know, that it's not going anywhere. I mean, I have a book that's on six continents that I wrote during the years he was still alive because I kept a blog online about our daily struggles. And I wound up turning that into a book. And uh, I mean, thousands of people have read it at this point, but I know his, our story and his memory are going to, always be out there because of that book. And that book's what led me to do the podcast because someone wanted me to write a part two to the book to tell what I've done since Bill passed away. And I thought, well, I don't want to write another book. (laughs) So I started the podcast to help other people, to help people like you and all the other people that I've talked to be able to talk about your loved one and share a little bit about what you've been doing since. And to me, this is a ministry for me. It's a mission. To spread awareness about the disease and what families go through, and also to help the person left behind, just to give you a chance to talk and remember your loved one, and to also remind yourself that you're not alone. There's a lot of us out here. A lot of us. Yeah, you know, ALS
0: is it's such. A, I think the worst disease in existence. Yeah,
1: I believe uh, so. I would rather be diagnosed with pretty much anything except ALS. ALS. And you know, the thing is, I don't know if other
0: people have the same issues. I think they do, but once in a while I'll have like, I, I'll say like it's fasciculation.
1: And you think, oh no, am I
0: getting it too? Yeah. Yeah, it, exactly. And you know, and it's like recently it was like my shoulder was at the twitches and It's like it did, and it was there for like I swear a couple days. And I actually called the ALS clinic that my husband went to, and I'm like, I'm having some fasciculations. And they they told me they says if it's not if it's a fasciculation with ALS, it's going to always be there. It that won't come and go.
1: Right, it'll always be there. And you know, people have fasciculations that are way more common than the kind that come with ALS, but I, I've had those two, you know, a jumping, you can watch it on your skin jumps and that weird feeling you get, but as long as it goes away, I'm okay. (laughs) Yeah. And that,
0: that things like that, you know, scare, you know, scare me to death when that happens. And, you know, the doctor's like, you can come in, you know, when you come back to Minnesota, if you want, but, you know, cause you know, they don't know what cause of ALS,
1: Nobody does. I, think, I don't think we'll know,
0: ever could, know. So I think could it have been something environmental that caused? So I have fasciculations because it was something environmental that uh Brad had that might have caused it. So yeah, you
1: yeah. know, I I really don't believe we'll know in our lifetime the cause because they still it's just too much of a mystery. I think I think the traumatic brain injuries with the concussions I think there's definitely a link there but I also think that it's probably blended with some environmental toxins that we take in that maybe we don't realize or maybe we do but we didn't know you know the damage they were doing but I I don't know I stopped worrying about it I used to just say I'll never stop looking for a cure but after he died I kind of had to separate myself from all of that and from ALS for a while from the world from my ALS friends because in order for me to survive, I had to just block that part of life out for a while. Um,
0: I haven't too much blocked. Well, I did. I actually not even that long ago, I was on all these other ALS um, sites on Facebook and I kind of came to a point. I just can't. I had to
1: stop going to the caregiver group. I'll still comment in there occasionally when I see somebody kind of heading down the wrong path of care and thinking i'll go no no that's probably not you know don't do that or do this instead occasionally i will pop in there but i try to stay out of that because it takes me back to a very difficult time if i can help someone i'm gonna help but then i have to take it i have to get away from it fairly quickly to keep from. Yeah, getting i had break.
0: to totally leave the sites i just thought it was just dragging me down too much exactly. you know, i exactly. would love to help people if they're in a situation
1: mm-hmm. in
0: fact i was told that somebody here last year uh in this community 55 but has als and i went knocked on their door and um i haven't talked i if you haven't seen that couple at all this year so i don't know if the person's taking a decline but i just kind of had to
1: take that part i just couldn't be a part of that anymore Well, yes yeah, self-preservation you, too much you have to protect yourself and that's what i did i did that as well it's like i said it was after the five year mark before i got where i could talk this way so but i think i'm in a really good strong secure place with my life now but it took those five years to finally get there so it takes a while so i think we all have to give each other grace and we have to be patient But we also have to remember, like I said earlier, to make that effort to build something for ourselves. And I think, you know, I had to do it. And that's just the best advice I can give you. If Brad was like my husband, he fought really hard to live despite ALS. And he would want no less from you any more than my bill would want any less from me. And so I I did wake up one day and think, how dare I? waste my life in depression as hard as bill fought to live i have to at least make half that effort to live and that's kind of been my mantra ever since i'm like I i'm gonna make like
0: what you just said um i write that down
1: yep you, you you want to if you want to honor Brad him fight
0: to live
1: yep yeah he brought he fought so hard to live the best way you can honor him is to do the same for yourself fight hard to live and to be happy because you know he would want the same for you and I did tell myself that almost on a daily basis probably in year three and four and those are the two years where I got my other degree it's where I changed jobs to the career I'm in now I mean I just it started out by honoring him and his life and his fight And it became mine then after a while it became mine. That's my best advice for anyone listening as well as to you is you have to fight for your life and fight as hard as they did. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, And I know that you're going to be fine because I can look at you and listen to you and I know, and you were single long before you married Brad. So I know you're a very strong person and you're a resourceful person. So I just know that you're going to rebuild and you're going to be just fine. No matter what that looks like another year from now, you'll probably be surprised to discover where you're at a year from now.
0: Sure. You know, I, the thing is, is, you know, before I met Brad, I had problems with depression. Yeah. um, Even before and he, when I met him, I felt like now my life had purpose. Mm -hmm. We met each other. And then, you know, he was taken away. So I I sometimes afraid my life is gonna go and lead to that path again.
1: But see, um, the difference is you're aware of that danger. mm -hmm. So you can avert that. You're you have the counselor and you and I hear you, you're you're making notes and you're paying attention. So you can avert that happening simply by taking a few simple steps to go the other way. And I just believe you will. I believe you will be fine. You will be fine. And there's plenty of us out here willing to lend you an ear and a shoulder if you need to talk.
0: Yeah, I do post um, quite a bit. And you not should. as much as
1: I used to under the Kild's Widow site. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that's a great place to do it because then you'll get so many responses and find out, okay, I'm really not alone. They really do understand, you know, where I'm coming from and what I'm going through. So, yeah, And and for those listening that may not know what we're talking about, I want to take a moment to say uh, CALS, C-A-L-S, all caps, widows. There's actually two groups that I'm aware of. There's CALS, widows, and then there's CALS, former ALS, angels I think there's two cows groups on Facebook and they're private groups and you can only get into groups if you were a caretaker of someone with ALS whether it's a sibling a husband a partner a child whoever it is and you get accepted to the groups and you have the freedom to type and just whatever's on your mind or things you need help with and other people in the group are just like you We're all cows. We're former cows. We're former caregivers of person with ALS. And it's just a wonderful place to unload your sorrow and to share your happiness and share share your hard times and your good times. So that's what Diane is also talking about. And we're both a member of the cows groups. And that's actually how we connected for her to come onto the podcast. So um, I'm sure that Diane would also recommend that those who are. Uh, trying to recover from a life with ALS, they also hook up with the Cows groups. What do you think, Diane?
0: Definitely. Um, definitely. Um, I I don't know how I heard about the CALS groups, but they've been very helpful knowing other people that have gone through the same things that I have. Right. You know, and some people are newer, kind of losing their... Uh, Person with ALS, and some have been many years. Right, that's exactly right. From everybody,
1: and there's a mixture. There's men in there that have lost their wives. There's lots of wives who have lost their husbands. There's even some on there that have lost their child, lost a child um, to ALS and a sibling. So there's just a a huge mixture. And some people don't post a lot, but they'll read, and occasionally they'll comment. But there's a lot of really helpful stuff on there. Um, the AL, If someone that's listening is going through ALS right now, like you're still caring for someone or you know someone with ALS, there's another group called ALS Caregivers. It's also a closed private group. You can find it and request membership. And again, only caregivers can go in that group. So you're free to discuss the nitty-gritty of ALS caretaking um, in there without fear of anybody else seeing it. Cause no one sees the post except members, uh, members, and there are no ALS patients in there. This is strictly for caregivers. So these are some really safe groups. There's not, uh, there's a lot of things about Facebook not to like, but these type groups are just a wonderful, wonderful part of Facebook. And I encourage, I encourage you to become a part of them if you're able to
0: helpful to know that you're not alone on so many things and you find other people that are going through exactly the same thing as i am exactly
1: well diane i think we're gonna we're gonna wind this up and i just really want to thank you so much for coming and sharing your and brad's story and also the struggles and your progress though since he's passed away thank you so much for sharing it with us the opportunity well thank you once again we'll see you next time on the life after that podcast